Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I'm Rudo. She's Megan. And today we're joined by special guest Christy Flannery, who is the New Jersey Devils person that covers them for uh, the hockey news. Christy, first of all, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Obviously, the Avs acquired Miles Wood this offseason through free agency. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, I did want to ask you, though, New Jersey, a team on the up right now. Is it a fun team to cover? It's so much fun because my first year on the beat was, uh, this is my second year, so it was the year prior when everything went wrong. They went through seven goaltenders. So I feel like in my young professional career of doing this i kind of saw both ends of the spectrum i saw the worst of the worst and now we're seeing this great surprising upswing picked a good time to start covering the team i guess (laughs) i have a similar trajectory (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so let's start with the av stuff and then we can talk a little bit more about new jersey later uh miles wood played a handful of years in new jersey can you sell us on him or, or what's the like all right so we'll start with the positives I was going back in preparation for this, and I remembered hearing his dad talk on the father's trip and saying that Miles has a little reckless abandon, and he's a little bit (laughs) chaotic. And I think that's kind of a good way to put it. The positives are he's a hard-nosed player. He likes to have that net front presence. He has a ton of speed, and he really will add a lot of grit to that bottom six for the avalanche. Uh, The negative that comes with that reckless abandon is that he does take, you know, the questionable penalties every once in a while. He was taken out of some of the playoff games because of penalties that he took. But overall, there's a lot to like about the Avalanche getting Miles Wood. In looking at him hitting free agency, was this a player that you felt New Jersey was interested in keeping on for another go? Or was it the writing on the wall that his time in New Jersey had come to an end? So I think you hear every general manager talk about, you know, when it comes to free agency and adding to the roster, they always look internally first to see if they have a more affordable option. And in the case of Miles, there's Curtis Lazar, who played a few games. He was kind of coming off some injuries, so he didn't really get into his full rhythm in New Jersey. And they also have a young player by the name of Nolan Foote, who the organization's been raving about and is expected to make that jump and fight for a bottom six roster spot. So knowing that there were more affordable options and the contracts that he was handing out with Timo Meyer and Jesper Bratt, I'd say the writing was on the wall that Miles became expendable. That's funny that she mentions Nolan Foote. We are very familiar (laughs) with the Foote family here in Colorado. I was curious too, though, you described reckless abandon and... I was wondering in your time covering the team, what he was like as a person, if there was a particularly fond memory or interview you had of Miles Wood in particular. Miles is a great guy. And what I always say to people is nobody cared about that locker room more than Miles. And I actually spoke to Damon Severson, who is no longer on the team, about Miles. And he said, you know, he's a team first guy. He's a solid teammate. He adds that energy. And he goes, he's kind of like a bowling ball, which I guess goes back to the whole reckless abandon. And he just kind of hits everything in sight. 
He's not going to be the most vocal guy in the locker room, but Damon said when he does speak up, he speaks up with a lot of passion and he wants his message to be heard. And as far as interviews go, you can kind of expect a guy that's going to be honest. He's going to be sincere. He's always going to make time for the media. And my favorite memory was earlier this year, they had wooden sticks that they were practicing with and Miles wanted to get a curb in the blade and he got a blowtorch and he ended up lighting the stick on fire. Which is fantastic. That's amazing. That is incredible. <laughs> he has a um, lot of, and I mean this in the best way, he has a lot of goofy energy. It's like very contagious. He has like a really good energy about him. Love it. It feels very Andre Burakovsky. It does, yeah. That was complimented so much by who Nathan McKinnon is as a person. Like, I feel that that's the type of player that can absolutely fit in Colorado. Abs need some lightheartedness. Yeah, next a little McKinnon. bit of goofy. A little bit for sure. Um, with Wood, obviously he's 27, so, or yeah, 27 or 28, right? But not particularly young. Do you think there's any more upside to his game there, or is he pretty much established as who he is in the NHL? I think he's established, and I think what you see is what you get. I think that's how I would describe Miles, because he does have that scoring touch. I mean, I believe this season it was his second best career numbers, if I'm not mistaken, so he will contribute. Um, but as far as Looking at the trajectory, what I think what you see is what you get. Fair enough. Uh, New Jersey definitely has evolved into a, a very fast-paced system. Miles certainly fits in that. He can fly up and down the ice. Yes, he can. Is there any hope for him as a, as a potential penalty killer or anything like that? The Avs are kind of in need of one on that side of the ice. Um, You know what? Why not? I don't know why he wouldn't be. Why not? Give him the right coach and, you know, get him to do it. Because I think even in New Jersey, what you saw this year was you saw guys that were out on the penalty kill that you didn't really see. And they ended up doing a really good job, like a Nathan Bastion, like a Jesper Boquist. Dawson Mercer was on the penalty kill. So I would say new system, new team, if that's a need for the team. Because he is a guy that's willing to, I think, sacrifice the body. And I think that's really important for a penalty killer. You see a lot of that. So why not? Sure. <laughs> Give him the benefit you of the doubt. Give me hope. Yeah, give me hope. His honesty. And I was curious if you could speak to accountability as it relates to the penalties. Like, was this something he took ownership of and wanted to work through and try to make amends on and for the future? What was your impression of that? When he spoke to the media at the end of the season and even when he went back into the lineup for the playoffs, he knew. He knew that he was taking really bad offensive zone penalties. And when you look at that first series versus the Rangers – those penalties, the Rangers capitalized on them. It wasn't even that he put his team in a bad position and then the team was able to kill it off. They weren't able to do that. And that was, you know, taking the, the amount of penalties that New Jersey did was a huge reason why they were down the first two games in that series. It was their discipline. And Miles knew that. And I think he is a player that is self-aware. I think he knows that there's always things that, you know, you can improve upon or that, you know, this was in the heat of the moment. Um, but yeah, I think there is an accountability with him. And even at the beginning of the year, when the team lost their first two games, he spoke to the media and was very blunt and said, I'm tired of being on bad teams. And then, of course, that got blown out of proportion. And he went, you know, Damon told me, he's like, he went to the guys and he said, you know, I apologize. I apologize to management, the coaching staff. That's not what I meant. And he said, we all knew what he meant, but he's that kind of player. Like he said it, but immediately when he realized how blown out of proportion it was, he immediately went and tried to rectify it with the staff and his teammates. 
I love to hear that. And it kind of springs to mind a different question, but he's a career devil up until this point and then was interested in another long-term contract moving forward. I was curious if that is something you see in him as a player or a person, kind of a loyalty to where he's at and a commitment to the organization that he's in. Is that something you saw from him in his time with the Devils? Yeah, I think that he's definitely a guy. Um, what was it in Miracle? You played for the logo on the on the front, not the name on the back. Yes. I think I think he is that kind of guy. Yeah. And that speaks to maybe his interest in such a long-term contract here in Colorado, because I'll be honest with you, we were really surprised by the term when we learned it would that be that long. long. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was a commitment. I think New Jersey fans were really surprised. I think everyone was surprised to see that, especially when the one and two year contracts were being, you know, handed out like Oprah hands out cars. And then all of a sudden Michael <laughs> in his late twenties is getting six years. But I think too, when you're a fan and you don't really get the inner workings of it, you want that stability. You want, you know, as a player, you don't want to move around every year, every two years. And, you know, with his age, you don't know if a family's coming into play or, you know, if you're going to get married and have kids, you want that stability of being in one place. It does make sense to me to, for a player to want that, to not have to worry about that in their future. Absolutely. I've got a question about New Jersey. If you want to, that's actually where I wanted to bring it to next was now the broader conversation about New Jersey, where they're headed. You've talked about the playoffs a lot too. And I think that there are some parallels that could probably be drawn from lessons learned in playoff exits that the avalanche can definitely relate to. And I was just curious with the second round exit for New Jersey, what were some of the biggest takeaways or learning lessons after that Carolina series? That is really hard. The playoffs are really hard. And even Tom Fitzgerald, our general manager, he spoke to the media and he said, you know, to win, you have to win four rounds. He said, we went two and it was a really hard two rounds. Playoff hockey is a different beast. It's a different animal. I mean, look at the Florida Panthers and what they were able to do from the regular season to the playoffs. And I think that was a really important lesson. And whenever I hear, you know, Colorado, Tampa, these championship teams, they all talk about the hard losses they had to go through in order to kind of win the ultimate prize. And I think losing in the second round and kind of the way they lost, I mean, Carolina manhandled them for majority of that series. I think that was a valuable lesson and another step in them ultimately getting to a Stanley Cup final. So. Are they free agency winners? Are they better this year? You talked about losing Severson in a trade. Obviously, Miles Wood comes to Colorado. Are the big pieces they got worth a squeeze? I think they are. I got to be honest. I think this is a better team. I think, you know, looking at the forward group, bringing back Eric Hollow was key. I don't think anyone realizes how important he is, not on the ice and all the things he does on the ice, but how important he is to that locker room. I think Tyler Toffoli is going to be a great addition to the top nine, I think he's going to be exactly what this team needs, especially on the power play, which was a little bit of a weakness, I think, in the last season. And as far as the defense goes, they lost Severson. And the saddest thing is that Severson's stretch passes were perfection. So I'm not sure which defenseman is going to step up and and take that over. But, you know, you're going to have Luke Hughes, who's most likely going to be a mainstay this year. And he was very impressive in the small sample size and in the playoffs last year. They have Colin Miller that they brought in from Dallas. So I think that I think they're going to hold their own. I think they're going to be a better team. One of the big pieces that isn't new through this offseason, but re-upped is Timo Meyer. And I was just curious the value that this new player has found in New Jersey, what he's meant to this team and what that fit looked like kind of immediately integrating with New Jersey. 
Well, when he came over, I think there was a massive expectations uh, and a lot of outside noise that he was going to come in in like game one and immediately make an impact. And every player that I've ever spoken to says it takes a while to adjust to a new system. And that's why you see players kind of flourish in year two versus year one with a new system and a new team. And when I talked to Timo, he said that New Jersey system was very different than San Jose. With that being said, when it came to round one against the Rangers, he didn't have the points. He didn't score goals. But what he was able to do and the role that he took on was something that no other Devils player was going to do. Not even Michael McLeod, not even Nathan Bastion. And I think that's where he proved his worth. He provides a skill set that they otherwise didn't have. So when you look at his contract, yes, it's expensive, but he's he's not another Jack Hughes. He's not another Jesper Bratt. He brings his own flavor to it, and it's kind of like a Tyler Toffoli. He's bringing something different and unique. So he he's going to, I think, do very well now that he's accustomed to everything. He had the playoffs. He had his 25 regular season games. I think he's going to do very well under Lindy Roth this year. And this kind of goes back to the takeaways and biggest lessons. But we saw what the Vegas exit for Colorado did to the team in that next year. They became a cup-winning team because of the motivation that they gained from that difficult exit to Vegas the year before. I was just wondering what your impression was if you were able to be around the group following the playoff exit this time around, and if you feel like this is a group that can turn this into something productive, and what your thoughts are for the year ahead, like if they're going to really bounce back from this in a big way. You know, it's so interesting with this team because you saw the disappointment. I wasn't in Carolina immediately after they were eliminated. I saw them for the exit interview, so you had a couple days to kind of digest what was going on, but there was a sense of... We proved everybody wrong. Nobody expected us to be in the playoffs, let alone make it to the second round. So there was a level of accomplishment there that of what they were able to achieve. But when you talk to Nico, when you talk to Jack, you, you saw that they were still hungry for more. They knew that yeah. they had more left. And so, yeah, I think that it was both. There was a lot, there was, you know, I'm so proud of this group. I'm so proud of what we were able to accomplish. But now we know we got that taste of it. And now we're going to come back even stronger because now we know what it takes. And now we really want it. New Jersey, obviously very successful historically, much like the abs in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, won multiple cups. They have this core together now. You mentioned Jack Hughes, Nico Hishier, Jesper Bratt, add Timo Meyer to that. Is the fan base's expectation cup or bust with this core? Um, I wouldn't say cup or bust like this year, but I would sure. say over the next couple of years, probably yes. I would say that the, in the immediate future, people are expecting this team to be in the Stanley Cup final, be in the Eastern Conference final. And there is that there there is an expectation. It's like Lindy Ruff said, nobody's going to be surprised by this team in 2023-24. They were last year, but this year it's not it's not going to be that way. So there's going to be a higher level of compete. There's going to be a higher level of competition that they're going to have to work hard because fan, uh, other opponents are going to know what to expect from them now. And, are, oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to ask, are they fully committed to Lindy Ruff uh, as coach of this core for the foreseeable future? He is coming back for next year. Um, the last time the media spoke to uh, Fitzgerald, he did not say about term or anything like that with the contracts, but we do know that Lindy Ruff is coming back. And the court, this, this team loves him. They really do. Jack endorses him all the time. Nico, this is a young team that loves playing for Lindy Ruff. That's, and I mean, he was a Jack Adams finalist. 
How do you feel about the current roster construction? Is there any need that you would like to see the New Jersey Devils fill before the season begins? And was there anyone in particular that you had in mind positionally or a player specifically? I was curious too, like a New Jersey native in Ross Colton, was that someone that was ever on New Jersey's radar that you would have hoped ended up there? Ross Colton was a name that people really wanted to see. I think that the, with New Jersey's right now, and this is why kind of Jesper Boquist became expendable, Miles Wood, Sharon Govich, they have a lot of the pieces in place right now. And even looking at the forward group, there's really one or two roster spots that you're going to have these kids come in at training camp to really battle for a spot. The defense is pretty much set. They have all their defensemen now. It's just a matter of the rotation and who's going to play when. The only position that I think people are questioning, and it's kind of the hot topic right now, is, of course, goaltending. Because when is goaltending not an issue in New Jersey? <laughs> but I think that's the only one where you're curious what they're going to do. Because after going through those seven goaltenders two years ago, you don't want to put yourself in a position to do that again. You want to make sure you have that depth. You have Vitek Vanacek. You have Akira Schmid. Some people are saying, you know, Akira is going to start out in the American Hockey League. They don't want to rush him to the NHL, which would leave who as a backup for Akira because Mackenzie Blackwood is now in San Jose. And Nico Dawes, who was their main netminder in the American Hockey League, had hip surgery. And he's expected to be out until November, December. So that is kind of the next question mark that nobody really knows. And you know, even Fitzgerald said it's something that we talk about every day, you know, internally, and we have to see if it's worth us making making a move. All right. Pavel Francouz for Jesper Brad, if we have to oh do it. Oh, my gosh. If we have that's, to do it. <laughs> that's actually a tough tough for both sides, I think, to part ways with. It's not tough for me. I do for it. For Colorado, <laughs> just the affection they have for Pavel Francouz. Are you in on the Connor Hellebuck sweepstakes? Would you like to see New Jersey take a big swing there? Uh, I don't. I'm going to say no, just based on his age and his term. He's a very good goaltender, and he would absolutely make this team better. I wrote about this, actually, I think a month ago. The upside is he would make, he would solidify this current roster as Stanley Cup contenders, even though they're already a favorite for next year. That would solidify it. And as far as his play, he would make the team better. But with him, is the juice worth the squeeze? And in this case, I'm going to say no. I actually I always liked UC Soros from Nashville. I've liked him for a couple of years now. I mean, I know he's a smaller goaltender, but I'm a big fan of his. I think he's really, really good. I think that's a great take because yeah. with what Nashville has done this offseason, they have moved players I didn't think they were prepared to move on from. I think Saros wouldn't be out of the question for a player that could be moved. They're really cleaning house and changing the entirety of the core that's been there. And they've got Askarov waiting, right? So So that was a name I heard that was shopped around. But if they're confident in Askarov and want to move on from Saros, that would be such a great landing spot for him. I only have one question left, and it's not hockey-related. Okay, so. <laughs> I wanted to know a little bit about some of the departures from New Jersey this offseason. You've mentioned Severson, Wood, Graves. I was just curious, like, of these losses what might leave the biggest hole to fill or shoes to fill if you will devil's fans are gonna are going to disagree with me but i'm gonna say damon severson he got a lot of like slack he was kind of the whipping boy in the devil's fan base but i think that now that he's gone you're gonna realize all the little details that he did right because he was a player where he made those beautiful stretch passes he was more than not a very solid defenseman 
But like any other player, you have those moments, you make those boneheaded mistakes. And for some reason with him specifically, it was intensified. He could have 25 games where he was just consistent and under the radar. And then there was one bad pass or one blind pass that led to a goal against and everyone hated him and wanted him traded. I think that now that he's gone, people are going to realize like everything that he did in a positive way for this team. You have Ryan Graves, you have the block shots and things like that, but you have Kevin Ball. You don't know what he's going to do. He has the same size. Brendan Smith, whenever he plays, he has, you know, he blocks shots. So yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to say Damon. It feels like Sam Girard. Yeah. (laughs) For Colorado, he's a scapegoat for a lot of mistakes that get made, but I think that would be a tough one to see go definitely would hurt um okay i guess two more things for me <laughs> one we ask everyone who comes on the show for their bad food take which is generally a food that's weird they like for example i like mayonnaise on burritos which is way out there i know um someone came on the show they like mustard on pizza mm. i feel like alex knew wasn't it just ketchup like i just like yeah ketchup. he's like i put ketchup on anything <laughs> So, um, so any would, weird food you like, yeah. See, I would be the opposite. It would be food that I don't like that everyone else loves. Um, Fair enough. Weird things I do. I actually love ranch. I'll dip like plain Ruffles potato chips. I'll dip it in ranch. I don't know if that's weird or not. I know some people think it's really weird. Um, I'll count it. The thing, okay, thank you. And then the thing, this is the more <laughs> that I get hate for. I don't like bacon, and I'm from New Jersey, and I don't eat pizza, and I don't eat bagels. No wow. pizza or bagel. That is surprising. Wow. We have a couple of people don't. from New Jersey that work here, too. And yeah, I don't know if they'd go approve. <laughs> I don't like bacon. I order BLTs and then I'll say no bacon. So I just have lettuce, avocado and tomato with mayo on, on bread, basically. Because I, I just I don't like bacon. All right. I know. I think At that definitely people, counts. Yeah. No, I, that counts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then lastly, if you want to tell everyone in our chat where they can find you and all your stuff. Oh, okay, great. So I am the site editor for the Devil site for the Hockey News. So that is all me. Everything, there's usually an article, two, maybe three up a day, depending on what's going on with the team. You can follow me on Twitter at Instalettos underscore NHL. And I also am on Instagram, and I'm trying to get onto TikTok, but honestly, I'm a little too old for that for that app, I so. would love to see the TikToks. <laughs> I think I endorse this and I think you should try. I try. I try so hard, but at the same time, I feel so stupid at the same time. Like, I don't know how people walk on the street and just talk into their phone. Like, I'm so self-conscious about it, but it's dif- it's difficult. My whole thing is anything with social media, I try to keep life as real as possible. Like, I try to just keep it really authentic yeah. because, like, you guys know. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's so glamorous. I'm like, I'm sitting in a hallway next to a pile of dirt trying to get an article in on a deadline. Like, guys, it's not. <laughs> like, we've all been we've all been there. We're up till 2 a.m., the whole thing. So I just try to keep it realistic. And, you know, when I was in school for journalism, there wasn't really that authentic real-life view into what the job is. You just see kind of the glamorized side of it. So I like – if I'm going to have a platform – which sounds so stupid to say. I just want to be real with young people that want to get into this field that yeah. it's great. This is your passion, but this is also the other side of it too. This is what you're doing and this is what you're dealing with in order to do something that you love every single day. That's amazing. Well, Christy, thank you so much for coming on. We'd love to have you on again another time because I I'm, I have so many questions about how you got into hockey and what makes you so passionate about it. 
unconventional path girlfriend very unconventional path <laughs> mine too i feel like we could probably relate so we'll have to we'll have to definitely chat some more but i really appreciate you coming on today you've been an amazing guest oh well thank you guys so much i want to come and hang out with you guys in person <laughs> perfect hey if you're ever in town hit us up the yeah, NBR bar <laughs> Oh, guys, like grab me a chair. Just like squeeze me in somewhere. Yeah, there's there's more chairs. I promise. <laughs> All right. You take care, Christy. Thanks. I hope that was okay. Sometimes I just Oh, ramble. it was great. Thank you again. <laughs> follow our right. Instilettos underscore NHL on Twitter. Appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, okay, that was Christy Flannery uh, talking a lot of Miles Wood. Before we get into a little bit more of that, we are brought to you by Bacchus and Shanker. Look. If you've ever seen drivers in New Jersey, I'm sorry, Christy, but you know what? Whoa, whoa. They might run me over, okay? That's all I'm saying. They don't mess around in New Jersey. Uh, Use your blinker. That's not right. Yeah. That's not right. <laughs> you, you tried. The effort was there, okay? Uh, you can call 222-2222 today or go to coloradolaw.net if you've been in a car accident, even if it's a rideshare situation. If you've been hit on a scooter or a bike, if, even if you got injured at work, Bacchus and Shanker will work for you. When you call them, you can get a free consultation. If they think you have a case, they'll take your case on for completely free, uh, and you don't pay anything unless you win your case, which you will if Bacchus and Shanker takes it on because they're very, very good at what they do. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients in the last 25 years. So check them out with the two number or go to coloradolaw.net today. Uh, and get what you deserve, thanks to Bacchus and Shanker. And we're also brought to you by FOCO. You can go to FOCO.com today to get all your licensed sports apparel merchandise. Of course, you can also get bobbleheads, things like that. And use code DNVR to get 10% off your order. Obviously, all the Nuggets Championship stuff is the is the hot ticket right now. But who knows? Maybe there'll be a Miles Wood bobblehead on there someday soon. Lighting so. a stick on fire. Yeah, perfect. Sold. He's got a blowtorch <laughs> and a wooden stick. <laughs> Foco, hire us. We, we got you. All right. We got bobblehead <laughs> ideas out here. Uh, again, Foco.com. All Colorado teams, all teams across the country, to be honest with you, they've got merch for. So go check them out. Go get their merch. Go get their bobbleheads. We've got them all over the set. You guys probably can see. Uh, Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast here. Look, I figured it was a great time to talk about Miles Wood because if you don't know, in England right now, there's a festival called the Goodwood Festival of Speed. So it just fits Miles Wood perfectly. Uh, a lot of interesting info there. I think we kind of already knew Miles Wood was a, a guy who was going to go on the ice and fly around, but as... So often seems the case, the Avs targeting good locker room people. Yeah. And, and knowing that they've had their sights set on Miles Wood for a while, I have to imagine this is sort of a quality that's been known about him. Yeah. And I'm really curious to learn a little bit more about how long the Avs have had him on their radar. Christy actually asked me before we went on if I knew the answer to that. And I don't know how long they'd been seeking him out, but... We know that this is a team that has passed on players that don't culturally fit, yep. players that have been highly coveted around trade deadline and then free agency. And so that is something I'm really excited to learn more about because it's something I've heard about Ryan Johansson too. Yeah. Great cultural fit, great yep. guy in the room. And it feels like they really hit on this in the, the off season here. Yeah, it's part of the culture the Evs have built in general, right, is, is – targeting guys like this and there being a certain level of expectation of 
I, I don't want to say like personal responsibility necessarily, but belief in that locker room culture for sure. Uh, with Wood, I, I think, you know, the big question you brought it up remains the penalties. I, I struggle with it because I think I even saw chat talking about it. Sounds like everything else Miles Wood does, Jared Bednar is going to love, but. And it's the kind of thing that like, it's no small thing in Bednar's eyes too. This yeah, exactly. is one of the greater offenses yep. that will get you Into limited some trouble, ice time. For sure. yep. And I'm so curious about that because we saw even with Andrew Cogliano, who I don't think was even the worst offender that we've ever seen, but, but it took some was bad ones. a yep. part of his storyline in this last season. And he's brought back on, I think, because they're willing to see past some of this because I don't think it's an ordinary quality in his game. This is, by all accounts, an ordinary quality in Miles Wood's yeah. game, and that is cause for concern as a result. And with Cagliano, I feel like uh, he just kind of needs to reset what was going on there. But with what? I'm a little unsure of the changeability of it all. How like, much can he reduce that? Yeah. Exactly. How much can he take ownership of that side of his game and yep. clean it up? Because at this point, like Christy mentioned, he's pretty established in his identity as a player. It is hard to rewire that part of things when I imagine the part of his game that we're going to love is the gritty edginess. Yeah. But that's also the part that's pushing the envelope and likely taking these penalties. And so reining that in, is going to be a really difficult task, but probably a necessary one if he wants to see any time on special teams, if he wants to see you know, the line that he's even utilized on consistently, that third line, I could see him being bumped to the fourth if he's not acting right. It's a much smaller scale version, I think, of what the Evs kind of dealt with with Nazan Kadri. Kadri, obviously, you know, when he would blow up, he would blow up a little bit bigger, see the red <laughs> mist, end up getting himself suspended. It was a little more serious with him. But I think as Kadri's time went across Colorado, especially after the playoff suspension, he kind of started doing a better job of finding that line. I agree. And no one's going to ask Miles Wood to be perfect. Like Some penalties is a reasonable expectation. Right. But he's got to be able to, over time, look, he's got a six-year deal. He's not going anywhere. Hopefully by the second or third year of that deal, he's found that line a little bit more of not taking the wildly unnecessary ones 200 feet from your net. And that's what's interesting, too, is because of the context of when he took penalties in this last playoff run being inopportune moments yeah. that changed the course. There of were some bad the ones game. for sure. And that is something that if he can figure that out in the regular season when the stakes are a little lower, I'm willing to accept the mistakes being made, but there there needs to be a real commitment and understanding looking ahead that in the playoffs, those games come down to like, it's a, a margin of error that is paper thin yep. and that will just, it can cost this team. I think it did in ways for Avs in the Seattle series. Not like that Definitely. wasn't the number one storyline, but it was a part of it. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it kind of a larger scale, right? One dumb thing from Kale McCarr. He misses a game. The Avs lose that game. Is that the difference in the series? Maybe. Their terrible power play didn't help either. But <laughs> uh, Anyway, it, with Wood, I do think it is somewhat important for a guy who projects on the Avs' third line to find other ways to be in the lineup than at five on five. That's why I asked about the potential right. penalty kill. Maybe there's a world where he is a, a guy that you 
send to be a bowling ball on the power play somewhere on special teams. I'd, where are you at? Do you think it's realistic he gets special teams time this year, or is that more of a we'll see down the line? I think they'll audition, audition him on the penalty kill. Okay. And it's partly because they are losing some penalty killers in they JT sure Comfer are. and Darren Helm, Eric Johnson, and there are just going to be some spots that are available then for players to be tried out on there. I mean, yep. I'm kind of eyeing Ross Colton for that position a little bit more so than Miles Wood presently, but I have a feeling that's something we'll see him get an option for. Yeah, it's it's just so hard to be in the bottom six in the NHL without yeah. most of them penalty kill. There are some that power play, but... 100%. It It's the difference between playing 10 minutes a night and 14 minutes a night oftentimes, so... I think they're going to want to extract max value from him as well yeah. because of the amount of time that he's going to be right. in Colorado. Yeah. You got six years. Let's, uh, let's figure something out in the first couple I of years. I wonder, too, yeah. if it could follow a trajectory similar to Val Natushkin, where like it was in third year for Val that, that he really, really found his stride. Together. And yeah. so I know the window for Colorado is literally right now, but there could be some hope, too, that there are tools that he can add into his game by year three that will be will kind of justify the value of this contract in the term that they agreed to. Well, and I think that's the hope, right? As of the player he is right now can help you. Absolutely. He's going to give you 25 to 30 points, maybe in Colorado. It's more like 35 points if you're being hopeful about it in the role that he's going to be in. And then it's how much more can the Avs squeeze out of him right. over the next six years, I guess, but six years, I guess, certainly the next three or four, we'll see how that contract is marveling but. over the contract, but <laughs> it really speaks to how much they wanted him here. Yeah. And I, I have some, I have a lot of trust in that and, and just curiosity around that too. Yeah. It's, it has to be, you know, outside of extending internal guys like Landis God, one of their longest free agent contracts, maybe ever. To be honest with you, yeah, I'd, I'd have to go look it up to to know for sure. But I don't remember that many very long contracts for abs and free agency. Plenty of three year, four year type deals. But yeah, Miles Wood kind of an anomaly in in that way. Um, it it, it gets interesting in Colorado because I do want to see how they shake their lineup out entirely. And we still don't really have a complete lineup for Colorado. That fourth line's a mystery to me yeah. right now. <laughs> Let alone a spot where it's like, okay, they have a spot open. They could still sign another free agent if they're looking to do that. Or they could say, hey, we're going into training camp and this spot's up for grabs. We don't know exactly how Colorado's going to play this out. Uh, obviously, we've talked a lot about Olafson and Myers as, as two potential guys fighting for those spots. But someone like a foodie could have an outside chance at it. And who knows what else happens? Maybe they end up claiming someone on waivers down the line. There's just so many options left open for Colorado. It's hard for me to really shake out that bottom six. It is for me, too, because they do need to find one more person for that third line, potentially, if yep. we are to put LOC on that fourth line, which I think is appropriate. But I would like to see how that <laughs> fourth line actually looks at the end of the day as well. For sure. Because, um, you know, Cogliano will be back. Yeah. So he, I'm penciling him in there as well. Yep. and. That leaves maybe a little bit of competition then for someone like an Olsen. So I'm like, okay, I'm starting to see the bigger picture, but that does leave a question mark then on the third line. And I do see that there's opportunity for them to find somebody there too. There's still a little bit left in cap space for them to do it. And like they did with Evan Rodriguez, I could see them waiting a little bit closer to see who's still available and excited to come to the destination that 
is in a window to compete for a Stanley Cup right now. That's pretty enticing mm -hmm. for free agents that might still be made available closer to the start of camp. Yeah, it is. Kovalenko. Uh, look, I, I'm on the Kovalenko hype train, believe me, but you can't just leave that spot open until March. No, exactly. <laughs> like, that's a springtime yeah. acquisition. That would be so great. Huge boost, probably. I but should. you need to solve that in the immediate as well, so... Well, and, you know, there's definitely the possibility that he doesn't come over at all. Let's not kid ourselves about that. So as hype as I am on Kovalenko, on October 10th or whenever the season starts, Kovalenko's not going to be the guy. So we'll see on that. Uh, on that note, we are brought to you by Illegal Pete's. You can get yourself some amazing burritos at 11 different locations here in Colorado. They have the longest happy hour around from 3 to 8 p.m. where you can go in, you can get yourself delicious. I mean, margaritas are good. I, I don't You're more of a margarita whoa, person. Whoa, than whoa. Yeah, yeah they're uh, delightful. Okay, that's what I thought, but... I, I don't know. I've just never been a huge margarita guy. I'm, I'm more about the beer, which is why their new deal where you can get a, uh, a $22 bucket of beers is the way to go. So uh, at least if you're me, you can get five high. Uh, they're, they're seltzers. Sorry. All right. I like seltzers. High noons. Get a bucket of them for just $22. Uh, it's the way to go. I'm actually I didn't think I would like seltzers years ago. And then I started drinking them and I'm like, oh. I love these. I, <laughs> so, I didn't know you loved seltzers. Yeah, they're amazing. Uh, could drink them all day, which is probably a problem. It's a slippery slope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either way, you can get your high noons at Illegal Pete's during happy hour. You can follow them at Illegal Pete's on Instagram to stay updated for all of their big events and deals happening this summer. Again, 11 different locations here in Colorado. Check them out today. Uh, and last but certainly not least, brought to you by the fantastic folks over at Shady Ray's. Don't have the sunglasses to put on today like yesterday. Oh, I actually. Oh, you do. do. Let's Give go. We've got the Shady Rays in the house. Uh, you can get yours at shadyrays.com, and we use the code DNVR. You get fifty percent off when you order two pairs of sunglasses or more. So get it in on. Get your glasses. Tons of different designs and styles. The best part is their replacement policy. First thirty days, you break them, you lose them, or you just don't like them. <laughs> I might need to use replace. the replacement. There you go. I'm yeah, just you kidding, lost I'm kidding, them. She lost them. She's got to call them up, get it replaced. Uh, do it at ShadyRays.com. If you're local, they do have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall, as Megan's got the got the style. What the High Lines? Is that what those are called? I, I want to say. I need to look it up. Yeah, I, so uh, their their names are way too cool for me too. It was I'm, a cool name. Yeah, I'm just like the sunglasses. Yeah, those ones. <laughs> they look cool. That's why I got them. Uh, check them out again. ShadyRays.com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Megan, are you believers in New Jersey? I I think oh, I saw chat talking about it a lot. It does feel a lot like a team that's like the 2019-ish Avalanche. It does. And it, it, it part of it is the piece in goaltending that I'm a little unsure of. But there's so many pieces in the core and who they've brought on in a big asset like Timo Meyer that I'm like, they're right there. Yep. And... I do feel the goaltending, though, leaves enough of a question mark for me to think that they're in their window. But like she said, it's not copper bust for this not year, yeah. but I think they're close to it. They're they're nipping at the heels of it. It's uh, hey, they say that last hub's the hardest one to get over. So I think the Avs know that all too well. Yeah, uh, directly. They can tell you about it, which uh, is 
<laughs> I, I guess there's a couple of ways I want to go to this. First, heading into this year, I talked about this with Jesse a couple days ago. Is the East still the powerhouse that we all thought it was for much of this last season? Or is the mirage kind of fading? <laughs> I still think they are heavy weights in, in the scheme of things. But there is a lot like... New York pushing all their chips to the table no only for kidding. it to just not really result in what they needed it to be. Not that it was a result that was unexpected or unpredictable, but it really was revealing in how, you know, this was a hot take at one point. There was a, a Minnesota gal who called the Avs paper tigers. And I kind of feel like the East is that at this present time, that they're, not quite the threat that they appear to be on the surface level, but there's still a lot of things that or did I say West? I meant East. No, you said um, East. Yeah. Okay, good. There's still a lot of like, I, I think Florida got better this year. Um, and I think that Boston's still going to be a problem, but maybe not to the same extent as they were last year. There was just something about that that doesn't feel quite sustainable or repeatable. And then New Jersey being another part of that, that I think is still in their window, just building up towards the, peak of all of it that I still think that there are components in the East that are competitive, but I just don't know if it was quite what it seemed after the deadline when there were teams that were just loaded up with talent. It's interesting because I don't think there are a lot of teams in the East or really in the league that are in the position that New Jersey's in where they're on the upswing and building up a couple of years ago. It felt like New York was maybe there and then they lost their minds and went all in for two years in a row and kind of used all their assets. And now it's like, Okay, where are they really? What? Where do they go from here? You mentioned Boston. I, you're right. They'll probably be a good team, but they're very much a team that's scrapping together pieces at the very, very end of their window instead of just coming into it. That's a good point. You have a team like Carolina, which just feels like they've been stuck in the middle-ish. It's kind of the warning's tale for New Jersey, the team you don't want to become yes, is Carolina. Right. So I, I really don't know what to make uh, out of a lot of the East. I love the Buffalo call out in the chat, though. I think most of the consensus around here is bid that they are much improved and going to be a team to keep an eye on. But they're also Buffalo. They're not in. They're like building towards their window. But I think they are on the brink of entering that level of compete competing for playoff Stanley Cup any other team I'd be like for sure and then it's Buffalo and I'm like well okay they need to prove it to me because they're they, Buffalo they do they're not there yet but they are making stark improvements and I'm seeing the results for sure it's it's definitely gotten better for them but I I guess I said the last hump's the hardest sometimes it feels like the, the hardest step is the next step not necessarily the last one so you know, and, and unlike a Boston, I think they're a bit younger in terms of what they're building. I, for sure. That their timeline is actually more appropriate. I would agree what with they're that. Building I towards. would definitely. I don't want to call it more tempered, but more realistic, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see where the East is at. I mean, if the if the curses hold true it should be boston's year right because they won the president's trophy that's so. a great point we'll have to see if the curse is real or not but uh yeah on the on the western side you know we've talked a lot about it i think everyone really liked dallas's off season is it just them in vegas or they have some main competition in the west yeah i feel like i answered that more timidly earlier into the off season but i feel more confident now 
making it so it's Dallas and Vegas. All right. Make it easy. Just set up the I guess they need Anaheim's to, gonna sneak up from <laughs> underneath. I'm just kidding. That'd I'm be kidding. fun. That'd be fun though. Like I'd be down if Anaheim gets the eighth wild card spot. The Avs go through ex AHL coach and Cronin. And then they can go through Dallas, where Matt Duchesne is now. The curse of the exit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the storyline for Vegas? Uh, yeah, I don't have a good one. I just revenge for the playoffs still, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, is Keegan Colasar still there? There you go. I have beef. You know, yeah. there we go. I don't know. Fine, we'll have to dig a little bit deeper for that No, one. yeah, there's something there that we can definitely come up with. It's the, you're in the conference finals, so go out and win. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's That's that fuel enough. That's maybe. Cool. That's good. Uh, should be should be fun either way if the abs can can go on a run like that. I do think it will be really interesting. Uh, I am all good for today, Megan, unless you have some other things you wanted to touch on. No, I feel like we're going to have a lot of time to talk about everything. Yep, yep. Just another five, six weeks of doing stuff. Uh, we did get one super chat from Vaguely Sober asking for the bad food take, which we did get. I remembered it. So thank you very much, Vaguely. Uh, yeah, other than that, I don't know. I guess we're going to get out of here for today. We will be back tomorrow. I don't, maybe we'll do some free skate Friday fun stuff. Who knows? That's uh, good, yeah. Should be, should be an interesting day, to say the least. Uh, anyway, we appreciate all of y'all, and uh, yeah, we're out of here. We will talk to you on the next one.